Hi, Steve. Hey, Mitch. How you doing? I'm doing great. So, so nice to see you. We, uh, on this tiny camera box. Yeah, it's a strange time living my life through these screens these days. Started teaching through these screens today. Oh, yeah, you today. started that today. I say the word teaching really loosely because there was no one on the other end to teach, but, you know, I was available. I'm, I'm using screens less because uh, my job shut down. And so now I'm, I'm not sitting in front of my computer all day. I was working from home, which is ironic. I've been working at home for the last uh, yeah. years. Uh, since 2014, I've been working at home and in a home office. And now I've, I've lost my job because the main office that I work for had to shut down. Uh, so yeah. weird, weird times. Very weird, strange times. And I've been working from home. I've actually thought about you guys. Uh, when I come down to the basement for you know four hours, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is working from home. That's what Mitch does. Yeah, uh, but that's that's sad. Uh, welcome to Everyday Meeple, yeah. where everyday people talk everything meeple at a distance. That's what, that's what from we do. a distance. Mm -hmm. I put it. I don't know if you saw it today. I put. Uh, I finally got around to getting some of the website patched up for the isolation episodes that we're doing. I did. I made a picture for it where I have a uh, meeple really far apart. Oh, nice. So. I'll check it out. I haven't, I haven't been on there in a while, sadly. Well, I haven't got a lot updated, but I mean, the last thing was, I think the John Merchant stuff and now, and now this, well, I know that, I mean, the, I've been keeping up with the podcast stuff. Yeah. I've actually been waiting um, for that Isla and something shiny game to launch it's supposed to launch sometime in april and yeah i'm really curious i'm i'm excited to see that kickstarter roll out but hopefully everything's on track with that but you never know because of you know the state of things the state of things but since we're talking about kickstarter you know what i'm excited about that uh, i don't think it's launching on kickstarter actually but it but it launched aeg is doing as uh, it aeg uh who's doing pre-sales for that Da, da, da. Uh, Joshua Wood has Santa Monica. Oh yeah. Joshua Wood of Cat Lady fame. Cat Lady, yeah. If everybody, everybody who follows us <laughs> has heard me go <laughs> on and on about Cat Lady, uh, well, he has a new one coming out called Santa Monica, and it's great. The player boards are just beachfront, right? And, and you're building. It's like another card drafting game, and you're building beautiful beachfront property, and, and you're trying to. I don't even know what else going on, but it looks great. He did most of the art again, and uh, I'm into it. Cool. So, yeah. I, uh, I'm excited. Something that we mentioned a few episodes ago now, uh, and I, I, I got the name wrong at the time. I called it Leaving Earth, but it's actually Excavation Earth. Uh, is David Turksey's new game? I'm like saying his name wrong, but uh, I, I just got into him through Anachrony, uh, the game I got for Christmas. And I've quite enjoyed the solo play of that. And I really can't wait to show, I think you will really dig that game. It's not Anachrony. a game we would ever really break out and be like, hey, friends, here's a crazy game about time traveling where time traveling is a mechanic and you borrow from the future. It's, it's a bit to take in, but it's a really clever and different worker placement. I didn't but really dig uh, into the Excavation Earth uh, rules and stuff, but I'm thinking it's... It looks 
like a lighter, funner game, but I think it is also a super complicated somehow because it's, I think the time limit is something like 50 minutes a player or something like it's, or yeah, 25 it's, minutes a player. It's, it says in the Kickstarter that you can teach the rules in 10 minutes, yeah. but that oh, there's wow. like a, a lot of depth. So I think in, on the, you know, just, just reading it, reading the, a little summary of it, it just seems like it's a set collection game. Um, primarily that seems like one of the main mechanics but i think what really drives this game and makes it unique is it has uh, some market manipulation yeah yeah right so which kind of reminds me a little bit of wasteland express i really like when you can manipulate a market and i haven't experienced it that often in a game um but i, I read a little bit about what rado was saying about this excavation earth game and it was you know it's about uh, you know, collecting these ancient relics from Earth. It's like these alien civilizations have visited our planet. So it kind of looks like the pandemic board because it's just a map of Earth. But you are these really cool, uh, well-illustrated aliens and you're bouncing around the map collecting license plates and headphones and iPods and things. I hope it's someone describes to... me like that someday. Well-illustrated. <laughs> yeah, if, if if only. that'll be on your tombstone it was well um, illustrated but it, it looks really cool and rada was saying you know this i think it was rada who was saying that there's this uh timing to when you sell uh, these these artifacts that you're collecting you're, you're selling them to like bidders or collectors somewhere in the universe or in solar system it's about timing and manipulating that market so that when you sell you get the best bang for your buck there's a, um, there's something going on neat. there's like on the board on your board anyway uh, like there's eight slots you're building like a museum uh, display mm -hmm. of the artifacts that you found on earth and they each have a different color corresponding to a different sort of category and as you collect them you're scoring sort of like azul where yeah. if you get a column or a row you get a different payout for for something as well yeah it's pretty it's pretty neat looking it's it's there's something interesting going on there so i've been following that kickstart a bit and Some, something that fits in really well with these episodes that we've been doing uh because so many people have been trying in that campaign they're they're giving away uh print and play versions of of the other games from what's the what's the publisher oh something boards or... oh god board board and dice oh i have a game right here in front of me. Anyway, they're they're giving away one in, one to two player variants of some of their bigger games uh, like Petricor, Vengeance, and Post Human, and they're giving Maybe them. Boards. Sorry, I cut you off. You cut me off. That one of them is available now, so you can download uh, the, the Petricor one two player uh, print and play, and then on April twelfth, you'll be able to download the Vengeance one, mm -hmm. and on. Uh, the 18th you'll be able to download a post-human one and then backers only get a uh, excavation earth uh print and play one to two player variant yeah i saw that it's pretty cool which i have vengeance which you and i had tried before it's mighty it's boards. that's game. why i i slipped away to look because it's sitting there in front of me yeah it'd be kind of cool to see how they well i guess they're just going to print little sections of the board and you can use proxy minis or Lego men or whatever you want to do to go fighting Venge people in vengeance. But. Vengeance got a like a vampire skin or something. Somebody put out uh, something, but maybe it it's just a, a different they, game. They did a they did a Kickstarter recently. I think it was called like Director's Cut, uh, where they added some new mechanics. Um, I didn't think it was. There's another game called Vengeance. Or, then 
Maybe, yeah. Because there's like a vampire or something vengeance now. Hmm. But yeah, it's cool them to be offering print and plays, uh, as so many people are doing. I haven't checked that um, that BGG thread in a, in a while to see. It doesn't who seem else like there's much new on added. it. I've heard I some people say today. good things about the pinball game uh, that you mentioned last time, but I have no printer. I haven't been able to try any of these things out yet. I'm really mm-hmm. excited to try a few. But wonder just uh, download it on your iPad and then uh, use your pen. Oh my God, that's right. I do have a whatever those are called, like Apple Pencil. Yeah, I could play some solo print and plays on a, as little PDFs. Yeah. That's a good idea. There you go. Thank that's you. A, that's a great tip. If you don't have a printer, <laughs> but you have a thousand dollar iPad. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. Uh, or a, I'm sure three hundred dollar iPads do it too. I was just trying to make a joke of not having an, a printer that because printers are like forty bucks. Mm. I'm just. It was a joke. <laughs> it wasn't at your expense. It was just. A, it was just a we joke. We had a couple printers. I don't, anyways. Printers. Everybody has a couple printers because they run what out of ink and it's, it's cheaper to buy a new printer than to buy new ink. Yeah, that's when I fell off the printer train. Jumped off. I didn't fall off. I jumped off. It's a free man. Uh, we played uh, Castles of Burgundy again last night, Melissa and I. Ooh. But we played it with the new, tr- well, it's not new, with the Trade Routes expansion. Mm-hmm. I have those sitting up there, hoping to and, try them soon. And it's great. Super fun. Yeah changes the way you you think about and use your goods right so castles so, castles of burgundy um can you explain how, what that game is and how it works for me because i'm confused about life because you're confused about life i was just mentioning a thing you you've you've uh you think we need to explain everything i explained all my games last week and i was just mentioning yeah. a thing for you in past, I didn't. We weren't going to talk about <laughs> Castles of Burgundy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I am excited to try this trade routes, though. It, uh, it it looks pretty interesting, and it's a game that Susie and I like to play. So we will make it happen. It's a, we want to play it with you. Uh, that's the because now that you guys are into it, Melissa. Like because four players is oh, yeah. is super fun. When you play with two players, all right. You want me to explain it? <laughs> <laughs> Castles of Burgundy. It's a Stefan Feld game. And it's it's probably one of his best known. Uh, I don't know if it's like everybody's favorite Stefan Feld games, but it's it's just got a re-release. People have been hard on it for being an ugly game since it came out, and mm, there are uglier games. But it's a fun uh, sort of. It's not really a dice manipulation game, but everybody has two dice. There's a there's a big center market of tiles. You're you have a, a player mat that is uh, your land and it's mm-hmm. different types of terrain and each type of terrain will accept a different type of building right there are boats there are actual buildings there are farmlands there are uh, mm-hmm. chateaus and each building that you place or or piece that you place will give you a bonus and the way you use your dice is that you roll your two dice and you get to either buy something from a slot matching that dice which lets you put it onto your sort of work in progress slot. And then right. you can use the, another dice to put it onto the matching space on your player mat. So right. in order to put a green field, it needs to be on a green matching the number of dice that you're using. But then you also get a bunch of worker tiles that let you manipulate the dice and change the numbers. Right. And the whole time you're just racking up points and, 
every everything happens uh fairly quickly in a two-player game uh there's five rounds in each round i never know how to how to describe that whenever you have but but they're not phases a phase would be in a round you do so many different things right there's just turns so there's five turns for each player Mm. per round and then it's five rounds and uh See, I find explaining games doesn't help people. Oh, maybe not, but you know, I just yeah, but explain. That, me. No one, no one knows <laughs> what I'm. You know, if you know Castles of Burgundy, you're like, yeah, trade routes. I want to try. I want to try that expansion yeah, yeah. too. And if you don't know Castles of Burgundy, anything I said didn't help you. <laughs> the interesting thing about Castles of Burgundy is that you only build are able to build three castles in the game. Uh, four on the main i mean you, every you every player mat one. is different oh right, right? if you play so with if you mats, start with right? the beginner player mats then there are four matching player mats we and, haven't moved beyond the beginner ones yet and then there are a bunch of different ones and none of the other ones are the same uh, but on the beginner mat there are four chateaus you start with one and you can build three more right and, and those you, are chateaus not castles you guys play, i find it weird oh, that right. there aren't any castles yeah, that is weirder. I just called them castles. Um, you guys have played this game quite a bit more. It's a pretty new game for me and Susie. But do you find the diff- using different player boards kind of improves the game? Makes it more uh, interesting? Like last night, we, we went back to the basic player boards. We've tried the just randomly picking them. And then we, we had the, uh, we bought the monasteries player boards. Oh, yeah. So the monastery player boards, they have three monasteries and if you build a line of tiles connecting them you get points and if you're the Mm. first one to connect all three you get more points but we always do it wrong or completely ignore it so we decided not to stop playing that expansion that expansion uh didn't didn't pass the mustard the mustard Mm. for us we didn't that will not we won't bother playing with that one because we kept screwing it up or ignoring it right we really like uh one expansion we have is a type of building called the pleasure palaces or something mm-hmm. and it's it's great where whenever you place that uh tile into your um map i don't there's a name for your terrain like there's a little uh yeah yeah i wasn't planning on talking about castles of burgundy Steve. Well, you are and you're and i'm loving it <laughs> so whenever you place that uh pleasure palace you get to use the white dice which is which is like the round oh, yeah. dice that normally doesn't do anything. You roll that right. one with your dice, whoever's the first player, and you place uh, some cargo around the board that I'm not going to get into explaining <laughs> because I wasn't planning on talking about Castles of Burgundy for so long. It's a great and game. Here we are. Yeah, great game. Trade Roots is, was fun. We'll play with Trade that one again. Looks great because it seems to give you... Yeah, you get more. bonuses. If you can yeah. match the color of goods that you've sold which you sell by matching one of your dice as an action, you can sell a good. Right. And if you match instead of that... It just, with the trade routes, instead of it just netting you points, you get a bonus for, for laying them on your trade routes, right? If, if you match the color. Oh, right. Okay. Got so it. you sell... Uh, your, and every time you sell goods, you have to sell the whole stack of that color. Mm-hmm. So if you sell three brown ones, uh, you put them out in a row. And if one of the ones that you cover on your trade route is brown, you will get the bonus marked on that, as right. well as your two points for or however many points per thing plus your one silver. Cool. And that makes no sense to anybody 
who doesn't already know Castlesburg because I oh, wasn't, man. wasn't planning on that well one. it's been I've been I'm glad you brought it up because that's uh <clears throat> I've had that game kind of in mind to break out and try that expansion uh we've just been busy our nights have been busy lately haven't got to play a whole lot I have uh, an interesting one from Andrew Bosley oh yeah who's one of your favorite artists and, and yeah. my favorite arts he's a he's the Everdell artist he mm-hmm. started uh, a publishing company called uh wits end oh yeah right yep. and uh he's working to i think they they just released their first game which was something in bolt and i can't oh yeah i didn't write i didn't bother that's writing his that game. game that's yeah that's uh his, his game with this girl and uh, her robot mm-hmm. uh, you remember robots. What it's, it's bolt but i forget her name yeah it's it's the yep well anyway mm-hmm. uh right now because of this whole isolation distance staying at home stuff they're releasing their next game he's been working with a fellow named aaron lambert and right. they're doing sort of kids weight games and they released one uh today uh for free as a print and play and it's a rock paper scissors uh sort of game called tooth and talon and it's for ages right. six and up 20 to 40 minute game and uh you in order to get it you go to wit's end and you just put it in your basket and it says right there that there's a there's a code that you have to put in to get it free it's if you don't use the code you're giving them a dollar which is also really nice yeah it's actually wits end is really cool i like andrew bosley he's he seems like a really nice guy (laughs) posting on instagram um but if you follow him on instagram or i think if you sign up for the newsletter on wits end he i think he does a monthly monthly giveaway giveaway So, I mean, his art, if you have never seen the board game, uh, caught a glimpse of Everdell, or he also uh, was the artist behind Tapestry or not that long ago, but Everdell, Tapestry is a bunch of humans. Everdell is his anthropomorphic, wind in the willows, red wall kind of fantasy animals. And that, you know, everyone likes animals dressed in clothes and holding swords and going to the market and being a judge and a teacher. Um, I believe that's fully accurate. Everyone loves that. Everyone loves that. So he often will give away, you know, a print of, of usually from Everdell or bookmark. Uh, and just, I think yesterday he was just doing these kind of random sketches and, and did uh, a mouse, uh, someone riding a just big mouse and a, a weird kind of guy dressed in a suit with goat horns. Um, and then another one that I kind of forget what it looked like, but he was just basically vote on the best one and you're entered in a draw and I'll send you a framed drawing. Yeah. He's going to um, autograph whichever one wins from the vote of the three drawings of the three sketches. He's going to then draw the name of someone who was in that vote. Yeah. And then he's going to autograph it and send them the sketch. I voted for the professor goat. I, I liked speaking of anthropomorphic, art artists uh mm. last time we talked you were saying you were disappointed that john merchant's uh pledge level of the mm-hmm. custom uh characters was gone and he actually uh opened it up again he re-entered uh but he but he had to make sure that he was saying these will take longer because i have to do all of those other ones first but it was so right. popular that he put in another pledge level for doing a bunch more that's awesome yeah so he, he'll draw a squire for squire for hire and he yeah. his animal art is also really top shelf cool really kind of nice unique design 
different than Everdell, different than Root, which is the other kind of animal fantasy animal game that's been kicking around the past year. But all three of those are really cool. Cool art. Uh, we went back with Macy this week. We went back to Sleeping Queens. Sleeping Queens. Do you guys have Sleeping Queens? We don't. Sam's played it with Macy, though, and quite liked it, but we never picked up a copy. Sleeping Queens. I, I like, like, we've been playing with Macy for years, but now that she's starting to really get stuff, I was telling her again that uh, Sleeping Queens was designed by a six-year-old. Really? <laughs> and her sister, and her mom helped. And uh, I wish I... Uh, I should have. I didn't. I just thought of it now. I'm like, oh, I should mention Sleeping Queens, but I don't have the box. Oh, I have the internet. I can look it up. You look it up. Uh, Sleeping Queens is a. <laughs> it's a really simple card game, that uh, you have eight queens that go face down around the board that are all different values, and then you have a deck of cards, that uh, you just shuffle, put in the middle. Everybody gets five cards. If you get a king card, you can play it and pick up any of the face down queens, and you put it out as your points. If you get uh, whatever there's a knight that lets you steal queens from the other players and they can stop you with a dragon if they have a dragon in their hand there's a sleeping potion that will put somebody else's queen back into the middle and uh, they can stop that with a magic wand be like ah right. no you're not and then uh, there's a jester card that you play and you flip over the top card and if it's one of those good cards you keep it but if it's a number card you have to start with yourself and count out that number and the last person counted gets to pick any queen right and then uh if you don't have any of those fancy cards there are just a bunch of number cards from one to ten and if you play one card you can draw a new card if you play a pair of cards you can draw two cards or if you can do an addition problem you can draw as many cards as you put into the addition mm. so if it's like five plus two equals seven you get three cards and like we used to play it with macy and she used to have her cards all splayed out, and she'd be like, "Do I have any math?" And we'd <laughs> find stuff for her. But now, now, you know, she does it all herself, and she loves it, and it's right. super fun. So yeah. broke that back out, and like we've been playing it, and it's it's fun cool. again, and like we're laughing and having a good time now because nobody has to help anybody, and uh, people are like, "Oh, I'm gonna knight your queen," and like, "You're not with my dragon, you're not." So that's it's been awesome. great. But yeah, it was designed by a six year old. Miranda and, uh, Everts. Miranda Everts and her mom and sister. And it's it's a game right game. And it's really nice because they put a little card in it with the picture of the family and the story of her uh putting the putting the game together. Basically she couldn't sleep at night, they say, because she had oh. this game in her head and the next day her sister and her mom oh. helped her helped her put out this put together this game. I did a oh like she was having nightmares, uh, but she no, was, she was excited. Games. She had game design brain where it's like ah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, speaking of family fun games, um, Sam and me and Violet actually tried it out with us. Broke out quicksand the other day. You know quicksand? Can you picture it in your head? No. It's a Hasbro game from 1989. Oh, yeah, There's yeah. No... You, you bought this one a while ago from the thrift store because you remembered it so fondly. I remembered it so fondly as a kid. So this yeah. is a yeah, 1989 Hasbro. There's no designer name on it, um, but it's one of those clever kind of toys games, mass market toy games that were all the rage in the 80s and early 90s, and still kind of, I guess, um, where it's just a roll and move game, this kind of kind of poorly designed not the most attractive looking board that you're moving around 
but the selling feature of this game was that you have these little explorers with their safari hats on and their mustaches. They're all identical looking old men, just of different colors. And they, they're, the figure that you move around the board is, is basically built from five separate parts. So little feet, you stack a pair of shorts on the feet, you stack a waist on the short, on the shorts maybe, and then you put his head on and then you put his little safari hat on. So he's made up of five pieces. You start at the beginning Anyways, me and Sam broke the game. That's, That's my favorite place to start. You, you start at the beginning, believe it or not. Not in the middle, not at the end. At the beginning of this board. Uh, and you have a choice to make at the beginning. No, you don't have a choice at all. You roll <laughs> You roll a dice. Man, I'm selling this game. So Cass is a burgundy. <laughs> I know, right? This is the, the simplest game I'm trying to explain here. You have two dice. One is just a white D6 that... Looks like every white D6 you've ever seen. The other one is a bigger, chunkier, green D6 that uh, that has an alligator on one side and then like a number two and a number four uh, on the other sides. Right at the beginning, you roll that green dice uh, die and whatever number comes up is how many parts that guy loses on his body. So you start off already kind of sunk in the quicksand. Whoa. Unless you roll the gator, you don't sink if you roll the gator. So you start off, and the reason why that's important, uh, how many, how much you sink in the quicksand is, when it's your turn, you can do two things. You can move the number of spaces equal to uh, your your guy. So if he's if you just have three parts above the quicksand, you can move three. Or you can roll the white die and gain that many that many pieces back. So the white die is not like every standard D6, like I said a minute ago. It has some blanks on it. Oh, you can yeah, that's and not get... like a regular D6 at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get no parts back, so you can stay in the quicksand and kind of waste and, your time. And you don't move. And you don't move. So you're either moving your guy around or rolling to kind of pull yourself out of the quicksand a little bit. And honestly, when I read those rules, because I couldn't find that, I had to go on the internet to find the rule book, I was like, huh, that's kind of an interesting little decision for a, a roll and move. Um, but then as you move, you know, you land on a space and it might say, um, go back three spaces because you, you slipped. Um, most of the spaces will be sink in quicksand where you roll the green die again and see how much you slip and sink into the quicksand. If you roll the gator, you uh, send another player back uh, however many spaces that, that their guy uh, is made up. You know, two spaces left, he moves back two spaces. Um, anyways, and you go around like this for way too long, we realized playing this game. If you land on a safety rock, you, you get all five of your pieces back and you get to start from scratch. Anyways, this is where we found out the game was broken. You get to the end and maybe it's the last 10 spaces of the board before you get to the safety of your camp. And once you cross this particular line, you can no longer roll the white die to get your body parts back. So you, you're most likely going to end up down to your hat and just moving one space at a time. But as soon as that happens, and you can only move one space at a time, you're forced to land on a space that sends you back five spaces to a safety rock where you get all five of your parts back. So your next move, you have to move five spaces, which brings <laughs> you back to the spot that, that sinks you back to the safety rock. And Sam was so, so upset. So we went back. I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. I reread the rules. Uh, and he was like, the only thing that makes sense is you must be allowed to move backwards. 
Uh, and I couldn't find it at the time, so we went with that, and we could move backwards, which delayed the game. Oh, my God, we were playing. Violet at this point was almost freaking out and destroying. Lots of the other two players we weren't playing with, the red and yellow men, were just flying around the room, pieces going everywhere. Um, but after, I was like, this still doesn't seem right, and I went back and, and read the two-page rule book again. And, no, it says specifically you can only move – you have to move your player ahead. Wow. Um, so, yeah, right at the end of the game, right at the, the finish line, Oh, infinite loop. It's probably why it didn't win a spiel. <laughs> among among other things. But not a spiel the jar winner. So so after us doing this for twenty minutes and, and the infinite loop and kind of breaking it and, and we finally got out, Sam was like, Can we play that again? <laughs> I was like, No, I can't play that again. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. So he played it again, four players solo. That's um That's quicksand. That's hilarious because I, I thought by accidentally uh, seeing the wrong post on Instagram that you and Sam had played Raiders of the North Sea, <laughs> which, is, which blew my mind. I'm like, wow, so we're not trying hard enough with Macy. And uh, no, you were stuck in quicksand. I, that, was my, that was my mistake. <laughs> stuck in the infinite loop of quicksand that Sam loved. I mean, he thought it was hilarious. That's why it was, it was so funny that we kept ending up on the safety rock. Uh, you know Jeff Engelstein. Well, you don't know him, but you're also don't know him personally, but quite you're familiar with like, him. Yeah, you like his stuff. He's one half of the most uh, most episodes of the podcast Ludology, which is probably my favorite board game podcast. He was uh, one half of that hosting team for quite a while, and he's he's the designer of what I I think is the most intriguing program movement game, the Dragon Flagon. I think that's uh Okay. I think that's his, and I think that's the one where you you're programming dwarven, uh, well, not dwarven, but fantasy bar fights. Oh, cool! I don't I think know that's the one. Maybe I'd have to yeah. look it up. I'd hate to think that I got the wrong game. Uh, I think my keyboard sounds on the mic. I don't know. Jeff has um, he has some cool. Now I really sound like I know him. Jeff has some really cool games. Yeah, we're like that. Jeff and I. He's a Space Cadets guy, too. I'm yeah, sure. Space Cadets. He did the uh, space-themed version of Survive, I think, too. Okay. The Dragon yeah. it's, it's Flagon. Oh, it's the whole Engelstein family. It's Jeff Engelstein, Brian Engelstein, and Sidney Engelstein. Nice. And like, and that game, I haven't played it, but it looks so great, where the board is, uh, is like a squared-off map of a tavern, and then oh there's actual, God. like, tables and chairs, and like, and yeah, I, as far as I get it uh, from reading it uh, and then not remembering it properly, you're programming uh, bar fights. So it's like, a beautiful looking game. Yeah, these little wooden chairs. I'm looking at it right now. You like program your movement to say like hit that guy with a chair, but depending on how the turn goes, he might not be there by the time that that movement triggers. <laughs> so it's like this That's chaotic. Great. It's it's pretty cool. Funny enough, for how much I listen to that podcast, they rarely speak of their own games. And it's all about game design. They get they like to bring in guests and stuff. Every now and again, they mention their games. But uh, yeah, I've never heard him mention that, which is really cool. Yeah, he's he did Survive Space then, Attack, but... too. There it is. And the Expanse board game. Right. He's behind the Expanse board game. Anyway, uh, I follow him on Twitter. And he had uh, a tweet recently saying that the U.S. Navy had uh, applied for a patent and i believe uh, somebody commenting on it said it was being approved uh, on tuesday so it was just approved uh, for a, a, war, a war variant 
on Catan. Really? So they, and yeah, which uh, is <laughs> interesting on so many weird levels. Uh, yeah. One that you can get a patent on somebody else's game, basically. Like they've mm. just changed some rules and added some rules to a game that already exists and then received a patent for it. Right. Uh, that is weird. But weirder for me because Catan is a Euro game and is the Euro game that sort of blew up the market for Euro games, and which means that it's a game about non-conflict and non-violence and getting away from army games. Right. And the U.S. Navy has gone and made it a military uh, trainer game out of it. Yeah, that's... that's it's that's like I guess I guess maybe? that's the circle of Ameritrash. I don't <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> happened, but uh, that's weird. And like you can you can go look at the uh, patent application, and it's just like there's the Catan board, and there's the roads, and there's the stuff, and you can read all the rules they've put in, and um, it's weird. I I, I didn't dig too that deeply into it. I just thought that's sad. It's something. That is kind of kind of sad and weird yeah i don't think Catan needs uh needs that i don't know if the Catan needs anything. well I, it's not gonna be like, i don't think they're looking to sell it like they're using it oh. as training in the u.s uh, navy oh but i guess someone else had been commenting on it there's a, a bit of a thread and had said that uh, they had used it as part of their i don't know master thesis for something else but they never and they they show the photos of them having used Catan as the prototype, but they never once reference or cite Catan. <laughs> wow. That is, that's pretty bizarre. Yeah, that's sad. So that was another thing I saw today. Jeff Engelstein is full of interesting uh, tidbits of information. He, he's also, um, for anyone like, you know, at all interested in board games, if you're listening to us ramble on about board games, you're interested in board games probably. Um, he, he's, he did the tech talk yeah. Um, segment on the Dice Tower Network, uh, which I think has been published in all those segments have been published in uh, books and stuff. But even if you just, I, I have been reading it. Yeah, if you search their podcast and listen to I his little little segments, he's full of interesting board game information. And they're usually pretty short. Unless you're reading the book, then it's all of it at once. So it's so it's longer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another great one, uh, just just for books and podcasts and is uh portal games the mm -hmm. uh ignacy trevichek mm -hmm. uh does uh board games that tell stories oh yeah he has two editions uh of uh, i think it's his blog basically it is, it, that have been yeah. printed as books that you can get you can get them as ebooks just download them off of amazon and and those are those are always fun reads and th because they're blog posts you know they're short form reading instead of like they're yeah. less less dry than than some stuff they're great i've read he's got great first, insights the first one and yeah ignacy is the designer behind like robinson crusoe and imperial settlers um i think his strongholds is the name of one of his tower defense games like maybe that was the first one that I don't know because that's published with uh, who's the he does a oh, podcast. Right. Stronghold is the the, the publisher. He does maybe. a podcast with that guy. Uh, that's an industry podcast that's really good too. Right. The I can't remember his name. I have to look that up. He's a, he's a fellow who's in the uh, 
him and uh, Tom from Dice Tower are always pretending to be at each other's throats. Oh, really? Um, but yeah, I, I like Ignacy's blog. Um, almost, I just love hearing how him designing games and them kind of keeping them awake at night and then his experiences going to conventions and testing them and having like other big name designers come up and play them. He has a lot of really cool anecdotal stories that, you know, anyone who's interested in the industry and, and designers will get a kick out of seeing, you know, kind of big name designers interact with each other, playing their each other's games. And um, no, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool, it's a good read. Stronghold is his. Okay. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, never played that one, but he's uh, and detective. This is probably his most recent thing, right? <clears throat> yeah what else is going on these days stuff <laughs> I, yeah, I can tell you uh, I'm not going to ramble on about it too leave long the house, but... so lots of Zelda yes I heard about that which you inspired me to start that game with Sam and I didn't think he was going to be interested because of the graphics but he was interested um, I tried to move up to uh, N64 and ocarina of time mm -hmm. and it's just it was too scary really she likes the world but whenever we go into the the first level of that you go into the deku tree and there's those spiders mm -hmm. and that chick -chick 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 sound uh, yeah and like she was just like pale and she yeah, asked if enough. we could go back to uh to the other one and she loves the she loves the super nintendo link to the past yeah sam was super into it messed around in the village um we didn't get too far because he was just like i want to go to the mountains and i was like i don't think you're i, I cut myself off because i was gonna be like i know you're not meant to go to death mountain yet um but then i'm like yeah go check it out and of course he got, got turned back by something most likely a big rock yeah. which he, he had he had trouble with uh with the game uh physics as well where he was like how come i can't get past this stump and i'm like ah I don't know. I think you need like a glove or a shovel or something like there's that. There's <laughs> so many spots where there's like big gaps, but your sprite can't can't fit in what seems like a sprite sized gap. And Macy's just like, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying. I think I'll yeah. I think I'll get it. <laughs> That's and Sam can't be like, why doesn't he just jump over that stump? Great question. I mean, he's a hero, but doesn't do a whole lot of jumping. Needs a hook shot. Um, yeah, I'm excited to to dig into that a little bit more. Oh, that's that's where the confusion is. The other fella uh, that Ignacy does the Board Game Insider podcast with is from Stronghold Games. Right. That so the would... publisher is Stronghold Games, mm -hmm. uh, but Ignacy made the game Stronghold. Right. Yeah, that's confusing. Indeed. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, I, uh... No, go ahead. I uh, I mentioned Frosthaven last week, which I'm just waiting to see it crack ten million dollars, and that must be a record. I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I just I like reading the updates every day because it's always pretty interesting. Uh, the new kind of guest designers that that Isaac Childress has been bringing on for the game. Uh, so far, he's brought on some pretty cool names. I was most excited the other day that he announced uh, Nikki Valens, who we mentioned a few episodes right, back, right. is going to design a scenario. So that's cool. I'll, I'll be curious what she comes up with. And then his favorite board game of all time it was Terra Mystica and has since been replaced by Gaia Project, which is basically a re-implementation of Terra Mystica. Um, both the designer of that game and then I think 
I might get it confused, the publisher or someone else who's involved with the design or the graphic design or something. Two of those guys have been brought on to design uh, scenario as well. So there's lots of cool guest um, designers, which is exciting. Um, and they've also, he's also started, which he did with the Gloomhaven Kickstarter, a scenario design competition, which I didn't, I didn't follow the original Kickstarter for Gloomhaven. Um, but anyways, I've been watching these scenarios roll in because it's just on a board game geek thread and people are just posting Google docs that you can look at. I think there's been about maybe 15 or 20, uh, submitted already. Super cool really fun ideas lots of people have some interesting um things to want to contribute some people are creating bosses and, and kind of new mechanics and, and things like that um but yeah it's really neat i i'm i'm having a go at it trying to design a scenario you know don't feel awesome about my chances as a designer but uh yeah i'm excited just to wrap my head around i love i love stories and and immersion so I'm going for a, an Iron Giant inspired uh, scenario. Oh, nice! The old Brad Bird cartoon. They uh, obviously the scenarios are in the universe, but do they have to be tied in uh, to the actual uh, like mythology to the story that's happening, or is it no. just just use no. stuff and? Yeah, he just he kind of says he wants. He kind of says go wild. Like if you want to give a reason to why the scenario might pop up, whether it's like a city event that triggers it or a treasure that triggers it or if you want to try your hand at a bunch of connected scenarios um go for it just give a reason why the scenario exists and they'll if they like the idea enough they said they'll just kind of work it into the story or the mechanics he, he did say they will all be side quests from the main kind of campaign yeah, yeah. story but that makes sense um, yeah it's pretty neat and i think last time they they took a bunch like i think a half a dozen or more um guest scenario so he's guaranteed that he'll pick one um but if there's a bunch of cool ones he'll take take a bunch i imagine he's probably will take less based on all the heavy hitter designers that he's brought in for the game but you never know last week i had said that i couldn't remember the name of the publisher that was uh, offering a percentage to your your local game store if you've ordered directly from them and put right. in the name of the uh, of your local game store and it's it's not one publisher it's a whole list of publishers that are that are doing that uh i was reading a thing from uh gamma which is the whatever association it's basically the distribution and publisher side yeah, of stuff yeah. and uh and they do a big convention every year that uh, is huge and is probably canceled but uh yeah they have uh, just lists of it and it's like Haba, ILO, Arcane Wonders, Deepwater Games, Fireside Games like it's a massive oh, wow. massive list uh of publishers that if you go and you order from them and you write down in the notes uh, some of them are doing it where you need to get a code so like retailers right. have to actually and contact them get a code that they can then hand out to their customers and then those customers can order directly uh from the publisher and then using that code the retailer will get uh their money but other ones are just doing to just say you know where what town right what store uh, and then some of the other publishers are are doing different things where some are doing uh, drop shipping so you can okay. order your game through your local game store uh and they will then be able to get it drop instead of them having to buy uh stuff right now 
the right. publisher is going to drop ship the game uh, and then most of them are charging after the game is sold they'll charge the the price and then like five bucks for the shipping charge so it's right that's pretty good that's pretty awesome and and there's another convention uh online that started up too where uh tabletop.events uh which i can't remember who that's somebody else in the industry had started that so as a bigger name that that started that and, and it's a it's a back-end app for running conventions so a lot of board mm-hmm. game conventions run off of this app and it lets uh, them set up all the booking and all of the stuff and runs basically the whole convention for them uh, but they were talking that they had to close down that that they needed so much money to stay open and all of the conventions are shutting down so they were saying they figured they'd have to be completely shut down and done by may 1st <clears throat> and all of their users and everybody sort of said well you know can we prevent that some way so they're throwing a, an online convention where you can buy badges uh, to help support and the way they're doing it is just uh, having people who want to run games and publishers that want to run games uh, right. run games on anything. So like a board game arcade or Steam right. or through Discord. And you basically, if you want to be part of it, you buy a badge, you contact them to say you want to run a game if you want to do that. And then they set stuff up. And so basically they're just trying to do this massive uh, right. online affair. And uh, that is May 23rd to 25th. And it's a... Uh, cool tabletop.events slash convention con of champions it's called cool con of champions con of champions yeah these online conventions imagine they're going to get some traffic i hope hope so so. yeah uh and and i was thinking the other thing that i wanted to um bring up and it's completely uh dumb you don't mind okay something dumb i don't mind dumb no uh i was trying to think i was laughing the other day at uh pet peeves board game pet peeves and what's your what's your dumbest uh, pet peeve like there's always you know cheesies on the fingers right is, is common but that's that's not really dumb it's mm-hmm. like yeah, my my biggest and dumbest is uh putting when people put the box inside of itself oh yeah flip the box upside down whenever mm-hmm. you set up the game and then someone's like oh we got to make room so they take the bottom of the box and put it inside the top of the box upside down oh it's, and it's, it's bad news uh, it, it drives me crazy it's I'm ridiculous sure it back out. Yeah. it's ridiculous that it drives me crazy but ah. Melissa, Melissa does it and i'm just like ah that's everyone yeah that might be the worst thing you do <laughs> if that's the worst thing she's yeah. she's she's good i uh well if you brought it up here here we go if you're listening brad um i said that way too mean brad's a great guy um but i have a memory of playing a pretty late night i think maybe even alcohol fueled six player game of Catan way way back in the day when we were first getting into board games and i was so excited to show it to all my friends and a couple of other friends were into it and we were really excited to play six players because the base game plays four you have to buy an expansion to play six and we all sat around probably took us like four hours i don't even remember but brad's a really kind of excitable guy and gets into things and he would keep kind of holding his hand of cards and they're all kind of uh, kind of bent into like an arc uh always and anytime there would be like uh, you know trade me uh two wood for one sheep you know like, yeah sure he will just like throw down his bent cards and and just lots of like 
over-exaggerated bending and slamming and throwing. And even then, I wasn't collecting board games. I wasn't into the hobby. Man, that I have a hard time uh, controlling myself to not not be a jerk amongst me and my friends having a fun time. So, Brad, if you're listening, I don't know if I've ever confronted Brad. you about this, but you cut me deep that night. Brad, you're you're banned from my game room. <laughs> Just uh, for that. Just for how you treated Steve's Catan cards. <laughs> Pretty sure from that night on, I was missing hexes and pieces that never really made my base game. Uh, I never had a full full base game again. Yeah. Wow. I want to put uh, like one of those signs you get in like uh, pool halls. You know, know this, know mm. that, know this. Yeah. And have that'll be one of the icons, just like card mashing. Box yeah. top inserting. Oh, man. I have a hard time not being an anxious wreck around drinks on the table um, just because I'm clumsy and I've spilt a couple of drinks over the I've years. I've seen it happen. <laughs> I um, felt it. My brand new Wasteland of the Express, Wasteland Express delivery service. Oh. First time I let Steve play it. <laughs> pint of beer. I More like maybe like a quarter or half a pint, but enough. In my damage. eyes, it was a yeah. whole pint. I think Robbie sitting, Robbie sitting to my right got just as much on him as the game did. That was, uh, I right. felt so, so horrible. I think from that night on, I, I pretty much lay my drinks on the floor. And you uh, spilled it hope, on the carpet a few times. <laughs> but the carpet's fine. That's fine. But I, I hope others will the follow game was fine. The game, the game made it through. Because I don't do it uh, um, just at your place. Like I do it when I'm playing solo. I do it when I'm playing with my family. I'm like, you know what? Be safe. Gonna put it down here. I've... Uh, I feel bad about that, uh, where when it happened, because it was brand new, because it was my Christmas present, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you to your face, it's all right. I couldn't say, don't worry about it, Steve. And I wanted to. I was like, yeah, and I was clenched, oh. and like, everything was okay. But I couldn't say it was okay until the next day. I wasn't mad at you. But I couldn't just say, don't worry about it. You know? Oh, I totally, totally get it. That's a, so, so then you felt game. horrible about it, and you contacted Pandasaurus. I did the publisher I, I and got them and they agreed to send new parts mm -hmm. for exactly the parts that I needed, but they weren't that bad. And now after we've, we've seen, uh, asthma day say they won't send out parts anymore. Right. Uh, they will replace your game. If it's new and you have a receipt and you're missing parts, it's they crazy. will replace the game. And then you have Jamie Stegmeyer who has gone on record. Uh, he had a whole, uh, one of his blogs or podcasts were about that and how he felt about it. And he revealed yeah. that their company spends $40,000 a year about just replacing parts. And that includes the staff to, to answer the emails and find wow. the parts and, and send the parts and mail the parts and postage and all of that. So like $40,000 right. a year is a massive chunk of money for a small company. And like, Absolutely. I didn't, I didn't need those <laughs> replaced, you know. I could have, <laughs> I could have gotten by with the yeah. beer warped uh, cardboard, you know. So uh, like, I appreciate that you went through that effort, and I love that Pandasaurus uh, oh, came through with that. It. Yeah, I, I basically now, gave them now an knowing what story. I know, uh, yeah. you know, that that never should have happened. I, uh, I everything's okay. But you know what? I I and I agree with you. Um, with a small company 
but keeping what you just said in mind about asthma day i mean i just reach out sometimes i found a copy of the star wars x-wing game which i've yet to try out because it's a two-player game and we've just never had a chance to sit down and try it um found it at the thrift store and it was missing like four or five components and i basically uh, filled out their form and said that in my message that i found a used copy and it was missing a few pieces. And I'm wondering, you know, could I pay a few bucks for these few components? And they just sent them out, no questions asked. Um, which is really cool when that exists in the industry. It's a little, and I understand why um, businesses would roll roll back on that and, and not allow it. But um, uh, like any like anything, you know, maybe there are people that would take advantage of that. But I, I would hope most people in the hobby are being pretty frank about it and would be willing to spend a couple of bucks to get a damaged part or, or something, you know what I mean? Or pay shipping or, or whatever. But Yeah. I don't, I, bad. I haven't, I don't know. Like Firefly, we bought Firefly brand new and it was missing uh, like five cards and I right. got in touch with what's the publisher oh, for that um, is not, it's like tech nine, nine or something. something. Nine. Yeah. And uh, and they got back to me right away, and they said which cards are you missing, and they they sent them out no problem, and and that's fantastic, and it it sucks if that doesn't exist anymore, and it sucks if yeah. if I have to go to the store and return that <laughs> whole game, and like what's why well, yeah I don't know, it's a weird one I don't want to get into it's it. It's a weird one. No, no, it's uh, it's totally weird. A lot of people feel strongly about it, but I, I just I just want to say it, it I it's been two years. And I, uh, I'm okay with you having spilled a pint of beer. On my... <laughs> it's the, oh man, it's it's still one of my pet peeves though. I don't like people spilling whole drinks. <laughs> fair enough. That's a fair pet peeve. <laughs> I, 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 when I was home visiting my family two summers ago, and uh, we were playing games, and I was like, I want to go into the city in Newfoundland. I wanted to go to St. John's and buy a new game that I thought my family would love. Azul had just come out, so I was going to look for Azul and try with them. And when I got there, Azul sold out everywhere, um, and I bought Sagrada instead, uh, which was fun, fun game. We got a, a few really good plays. How do you out play of that, it. Steve? How do you? <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> Touche. But I feel like I don't have enough time to explain how it plays and tell my anecdote. It's one or the other. What's it going to be, Mitch? Do you want to know how to play it, or do you want to hear what happened? <laughs> I played it. Um, anyway, Sagrada. Um, who cares what, what, how you play it? The, the, the morning after I got it, I woke up to learn the rules and set it up to play with my coffee. I went to the kitchen to maybe get my coffee or to get like a muffin or something. And when I came back, I spilled my whole cup of coffee over the whole game, the entire game. Um, Mostly just one player board soaked up most of the damage. Got a little, little fat, fat little cathedral board, uh, and then all the rule books got all weird and crispy. Um, still playable. I was totally fine with it. It still bugs me a little bit when I look down at it. I know that it's stained and weird. There you are. You know. You know what you're like on the inside. Uh, Sorry. It, if anybody doesn't know. If everybody's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm interested in getting a board game, and you're some for some reason you've accidentally started listening to to us, um, and you like Sudoku puzzles, Sagrada is a great a great entry game for mm -hmm. you. 
It's a, just yeah. a dice Sudoku puzzle. Uh, with a bunch of other stuff going on. It's You're very. Building. It's it's one of my favorite solo puzzle games. I like. I prefer yeah. it as a solo game than I do uh, playing with a bunch of people. It's a fun one. You're building yeah. stained glass windows with these nice translucent uh, dice. Um, it, it's fun, but for me, I mean, you you bought role player, and that has yes. the same. I would prefer to play role Sudoku player. dice, and that to me just just does something to my brain um, more than Sagrada. But I think a lot of people would say the opposite. A lot of people not into fantasy genre would probably rather build pretty stained glass windows. So you know, whatever your cup of tea is, maybe there's a and, little bit more going on in role player too. But. And then there's Azul, which is an even funner uh, Sudoku puzzle than. Sagrada, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Azul is the winner out of those two. Yeah. For sure. Role yeah. player, I would love to get the expansion to fight the monsters. Mm-hmm. Build role player. I love where role player. The the genius of role player is that they took character creation from D and D and turned it into a dice game. And I think yeah. that's that's brilliant. A dice uh, placement puzzle to build your stats on a character sheet for D&D. And then they put out uh, an expansion that adds monsters where after you build your character in the entire game of role player, you then uh, fight a monster with that character mm. stats. And then uh, coming out this year, supposed to be, uh, or right. soon anyway, is role yeah. player adventure where you actually build your character and then take it on a quest. Right. Which is amazing. That's so Very, cool. That's, that's one of my most anticipated... Uh, coming up games i think yeah i'm curious what they're going to do with that what that's going to look like they haven't revealed a whole lot i'm curious no, what the ad, what the adventure mechanics will be whether it's going to be a but they've you know, been text, building that universe or, for yeah. a while like with uh lockup and uh cartographers yeah. uh, they've been they've been building uh this fantasy universe uh, with different styled games, they have a Roland right now, and then they have the worker placement with Lockup. So I'm really curious to see what uh, Role Player Adventures uh, does. Yeah, you know, it's probably a, we're probably out of time. Another week in isolation down the drain. Yeah, see you in I don't know 2021. Is that true? I what? don't know. How would I know? I don't. I'm gonna see you next. I'm gonna see you next week. Oh, on the oh, well, with these, we've got these cameras. Sure. Yeah. Whoa. What a hiatus. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll hey. see you next time, Mitch. See you, Steve. All right, man. Have a good week.